Beju Solanke, absolutely delighted to have you on my show, the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. We got introduced by a mutual friend, actually. We did. I had seen you on Clubhouse and various platforms. But heard, those... me on, heard me on Clubhouse. Yeah, <laughs> so that's right. Yeah, sorry, it's an audio, isn't it? Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. For those that haven't seen or heard you, um, just give us a brief overview what you actually do. So what I do now, I'm a performance psychologist, so what does that mean? It, I, I, I call it, I unfuck people, I get them to unleash their potential. That's sort yeah. of the, the core of it. You know, we get, there's a lot of coaches and trainers and things out there. And my, I have a theory that each individual don't know their own potential and needs others to bring it out, out of them. And uh, so that's essentially what I do, if you like, mm. but written books, speak on stage, yeah. coach and training. So, yeah. so how do you do that? How do you do that? Mm. Well, you identify what's in the way, the interference. So you look at the interference. And for me, interference lies in three areas. One is in their mind, whatever that is. And that could be their story, story they made up, story from their parents. It could be um, that serves them right now and keeps them safe. Yeah. And then as a result of that story, the language they use, so it's in the mind. Second part is um, uh, a strategy, action. It's like anything, mm. you know, when you're cooking some food. Right, you've got the ingredients yeah. and you've got the, the methodology, right? Yeah, so yeah. the strategy, so you've got that. So they may say they haven't got a strategy or not even discovered it. Yeah. And the third thing is not just action, because we know everybody takes action because you have to get up and brush your teeth. But as you know, the difference that makes a difference is consistency. Mm, so what's, the, what's preventing them being consistent and persistent in their actions. Yeah, it's a bit like discipline eats motivation for breakfast, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But going, going back to the story thing, I mean, I'm all about the mindset thing as well, and I've actually used my story as leverage, my 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 um, adversity and all that kind of stuff. And I think, I think it's really important to own your story and use it as a gift to help others, all that kind of stuff. But then you kind of reach, well, I reach a point where you can't keep harping on about your story you've got the chapters got to change or what's your view on kind of because i always think that you have to unravel what's bad and process it and get over it before you can move forward and mm. some people are stuck in their story and some people use their story as so i think i think there's i think there's two schools of thoughts what i'm trying to say with that what do you, what do you well, say? if you look at my own you know i've been doing this for like 30 years right yeah. but until i had a trauma in like my life which is my marriage breakdown yeah. And it was a realization whereby, well, hang on, how can this happen to me? And you know, I'm some psychologist. I've got all the answers. How can yeah. how can I go profess and change other people's lives and my own life's shit show? So that was sort of a turning point for me. But in terms of the story, mm. it's how it's used. It's like anything. So I agree with you 100%. Until you've dealt with your story and mm. your resistance to it and the, 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 the what what's holding you back, Mm. Uh, you can't move forward. But having said that, it's not a linear thing. It's not a binary thing. It's an evolution, it's a dilution. Because you yeah. could, yeah. you know, you, you might have dealt with your so-called story for it and you've moved on. But you could have one smell, a song comes up I'll and it brings you. certain back. 100%. Now, if you haven't done the work, mm. that one instance will take you back into the cesspool. Yeah, yeah. By doing the work, it's a dilution. It still triggers, mm. but you're, you, you're aware of the trigger and mm. you're more, actually, do you know what? That triggers me. That's made me feel emotional, this loss, yeah. that thing. But because I've done the work, I'm able to yeah. see for what it is. So there's nothing okay. wrong with repeating the story, but where, yeah. where are you doing it from the point of view of victimness? Yeah. You know, I want your empathy. Exactly. I want your validation. Yeah, yeah. Or are you doing it to help others? There's doing the work, but you never. Compl I don't think you ever completely do the work because the moment you think you've done the work, is the moment you haven't. Right? Exactly, it's an ongoing beast. Hundred percent. It? It's like being present. The moment yeah. you re you be present, the realize, right. oh, am I being present? You're not present. Yeah. 
So I, I want to delve into this, in, into you, because um, I've seen your, I've read your books, I've seen some of the stuff you do, your TED Talks, you're an yeah. amazing, influential speaker and Thanks. all that kind of stuff. But um, I'm pretty confident you've had some dark times and challenges. So mm. paint a picture of your life since school. Well, growing up in a very typical Asian Indian family, expectations of going uni, we weren't poor, but we weren't rich. Quite ordinary, you know. My dad was a civil servant. Mum was a was extremely intelligent teacher from India, but coming here, there's no opportunities, especially in the 70s. So yeah. she worked in a factory. Yeah. So growing up, typical Asian household, as as you do, and then there's a there's not a oh, what do you want to do? Do you want to go uni? You want to get a job? No, no, you just go uni. You go to uni. So and I had no idea. I was never a stra- I was I was never a straight A student. And I wasn't a geek. And I was like, where do I, where was my, and I wasn't cool. So I wasn't part of the cool gang. Yeah. I wasn't a geek, so my intelligence didn't get me through. And I wasn't necessarily, um, uh, you know, a straight A. So it was like, I was in between. Yeah. So I fell in those cracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I had this really weird notion, right? There was quite a lot of, although I was born here, my dad was first generation. I'm first generation, my dad came over in the 70s. You know, I was confronted with a lot of racism. But I had this really weird, and looking back at it, I didn't. I was, it wasn't an analysis. I wasn't saying intentional, but looking yeah. back, the way I dealt with it is well, well, I get it. It's not my country, you know. Mm. My dad, you know, I get it. You know, we've come into your home, and why wouldn't you? So maybe that's my way of just dealing with it. Okay. So going through those, and then I flunked my A levels. And uh, if anybody's of a certain vintage, you, there's a thing called clearing. I don't know if it exists now. Right. It's like if you flunk your A-levels and you, right. know, you don't get a place, when mm. you get your results, you phone up the unis, or have you got any places? Yeah. So you go through clearing. And I, yeah. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Again, there was only five real jobs I knew that I could have. Doctor, engineer, accountant, mm. pharmacist, and shopkeeper. Well, that's what we're told, though. Just to interject there, it's just like we, 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 I think we're so conditioned to, you know, unless you're doing one of them, you're not successful. Yeah, right? and especially in our world. And because... Education and uh, having a, a, a respected job was was, yeah. was that's what it was about. It was about yeah. it was about three things: making mm. sure you edu- get educated and get respected job, get married, have kids, mm. and that's it. That's your life. Anything in between is just a bonus. Yeah. You know, we never went on holidays, not because we couldn't afford it. But I remember, was there was a time where me and my sister, after we'd grown up, we sort of teenagers, so there's no need for mum and dad to. Um, babysit us and I said once well dad why don't you take mum to go to theatre or something he goes no no we don't do that sort of thing right I was like and he just okay. sort of said it off the cuff and it wasn't like oh you know some anger it was just like oh. so there's a certain individual that goes to theatre and goes yeah. to things and it's really weird yeah yeah so growing up in that typical household and I did um, didn't know what to do and I did a maths degree because that's the only course I got into but this is where my life changed I was in the library you read the library we had an internet then <laughs> Six months into my course, and there was a book. There was a book there, mm. and I picked this book up, and it was the first. And I started reading it. It was the first book I read on my own volition, cover to cover, and it was a book on body language. Right. And I remember the author Alan Peace is the godfather of body language. Yeah. yeah. I thought this is really interesting. What you can tell people's mm. behaviours and thoughts by their body gestures. This is really fascinating. Yeah. And then delving more into it, that's how I got into psychology. Oh wow. And literally. I went to my, literally within a couple of uh, days, I went to my tutor, I said, well, I'm going to transfer, I'm going to do a psychology degree. And there was some stuff around fees and student, whereby if you didn't finish a program, then you're liable for your fees. So you have to be deemed to finish a program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, an easy solution is transfer to the H&D, finish one more year and then do it. And that's what I did. Right, right. But I didn't tell my parents that. So I transferred, got the paperwork, yeah. and I, then I and I told my parents, I'll doing this. And my only, my dad was like, mm, okay, whatever. And my mum was like, well, so... 
psychology you asked me a question I gave her the worst answer she said so what job can you get with that I said I don't know <laughs> and that was it her world a yeah. world crash yeah, goes, yeah. oh my god my son's going to go uni for years yeah. and got to get a job yeah. and then my first job was a um, psychology lecturer did that and then I trained to be a sports psychologist um, yeah. which was uh, but I was married by then had two kids and uh, I wanted to finish my masters but then I I thought I needed some money. I didn't want to stay in education. So I did. Um, I went into a corporate sales job, aiming to be there six months, ended up being there nine years. So, right. Yeah. Selling what? It was selling media. Well, essentially, at its core, selling ad space in the mag. Okay. Right. But I was an educational consultant helping universities recruit international students. Mm -hmm. That's what I was doing. And I was really good at it because there was no sales training, but my target audience was academics and I was an academic. Yeah, so yeah. I could relate to them. Yeah. So the job was paid yeah. well, traveled yeah. around the world, and it was great. Yeah. But I, I, um, I sold out, meaning I didn't know I was selling out then. I sort of said, you know what, I'll do my sports psychology later. Yeah. But later they overcome. Right, right. And it ended up being there nine years. And going into that, I sort of discovered coaching. Oh, sorry. I think I think you're right about the whole. There's, there's a lot of us around coaches, mindset people, performance coaches. But I, I always, I've got my own coach. I, I think no matter who you are, you got to have a coach. You got to have yeah. people around you. I think. But I think that. The way that I've won my clients and built my business is because you, you use the word relate. I, I've been through anxiety and stuff like that. And I think that unless you've been through it, you can't really teach it and you can't really coach it. And with yourself, I think that you must have gone through some stuff yourself to be able to kind of see it in other people as well. Yes. And this is where I sort of alluded to earlier, my, my marriage breakdown, whereby from the outside, it was a love marriage. It was an ideal, three beautiful kids, house, right? right. you know, my, my wife, ex-wife now. Uh, nurse, uh, I was sort of traveling around the world. So from the outside, we were like the ideal, you know, the the, the couple whereby yeah. we went into a arranged marriage. It was yeah. a love marriage. Right. Lots of people okay. knew us in that community. We had three great children, and picture perfect, right? Mm. But um, going over the years, I was just doing my thing, and although I talked to this game, I didn't walk it at all. Okay. Not really. Probably right. 30, 40 percent as much as any other layman. And there was a moment, uh, do you remember that we had the Olympics, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm saying this, right? I didn't you know, I, I never, so people, yeah, there's when, the Olympics. 20, 2012 in this country. 2012, and yeah, I was yeah. a games maker. Yeah, I, I, was I was a volunteer. I was there, yeah, yeah, that's what right? Yeah. So I was, I was a games maker, which meant that I was, um, I was in the Olympic Stadium for 10 of the days right. of the Olympics, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, during that time, one of my shifts coincided with a family wedding. So I had to take it off. So I went to his family wedding and it was the first time where my ex was a little bit cold with me. And I thought, mm, nothing. And I thought, mm, something is different, different. Yeah, yeah. And I, I sort of made a decision, or do I say anything or do I uh, not? Mm -hmm. And I, I made a decision, well, if I say something and there's nothing wrong, she might be, no, there's nothing wrong. But actually, now you say that. <laughs> Come to think of it, there is actually. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, let me just be a, a bit of an ostrich. But what I made a decision myself, that if she does say something, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm this coach, I can sort it out, or there's nothing wrong. Right. I'm going to be like, whatever you say, let's do the work. Yeah. Six months later, January 13, something occurred, and she turned around and she says, you know what, I don't want this anymore. You was out of the blue, right? Uh, well, in from her point of view, yeah. it was out you, of the blue. You were sensing From her point of view, it wasn't out of the blue, right. because... I was explaining in a minute, men are stupid, we don't see the science, right? And I'll, <laughs> I, you know, I'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Or we, we don't want to see what's there because we don't want to confront the the inevitable. 
Anyway, she turned around and said, look, I don't want this anymore. And I initially went into a bit of anger. What do you mean you don't want it anymore? You know, a bit of anger. Then I felt sorry for myself, a bit of victim. Oh, no, okay, yeah. no, I get it, I get it. Yeah. And a couple of days in, I went, okay, I get it. So, all right, tell me, what, 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 what do we need to, what do you want? Tell me, whatever you want to change, yeah. I'm there. We can go marriage counseling, whatever, right? So I was saying, you know, and she was like, what do you mean? I'm done. Wow. You know. Game over. Yeah, game over. I went, wow. no, no. And then I went into, that's not fair. You can't, you've got to give me a right to reply. You know, if you've got 10 yeah. things that I'm doing wrong, at least give me the chat. But yeah. this is what I, then I started really researching about marriage breaks up. And there was right. a great uh, researcher, Gottman. Mm-hmm. And he did this research and he analyzed couples in their first year. And there were certain behaviors present. He could predict, he predicted divorce rates uh, over over 70 or 75% he predicted divorce rates. What sort of behaviors? Just lack of communication, lack right, of listening, right. not seeing the signs. And also, okay. there's a thing whereby there's no empathy. Yes. Whereby the yes. woman doesn't want to be fixed. So she might say something, X, Y, Z, and yeah. we go, right, let's go and fix it. She doesn't want you to fix no, it. She just wants no, you to no. listen. I mean, emp- empathy, that word is, I mean, that, that, what would you say, behavior is such an underutilized, underestimated Massively. thing, isn't Massively. it? In relationships, in business, yeah. and everything, right? So she turned around and I was like, this is not right. So for 18 months, I was a victim, anger. I was like right. two days sad, three days victim, one day angry. And then I went silent. I thought, do you know what? I'm going to be what she wants me to be, just sort of hands off a bit. Yeah. But then what I did was, I was like, well, reward me. Right. Give me, give me you, you know, acknowledge that I've Got been you. silent. Well, because then we can work at this. Yeah. And I, so I, and then again, I was, didn't right. see it because she was just like in pain. Right, she didn't want this anymore. And I didn't for one moment, especially during those 18 months, put myself in her position, mm. thinking actually... It's really interesting. It's really hard for an Asian woman mm. where society, you know, divorce is not her, you just stick with it. You mm. just stay something, stick with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The courage that she had to have got to to the point where she says, because I was the main breadwinner, is by saying go, and the, our youngest was still 11, 12. So it wasn't like they were all teenagers. They were still school-bearing ages. Mm. To do that and not knowing how you know financially would be took yeah. a lot for her, and I didn't really. I just went into what I was losing, how it looked for me, and what society would say to me. And, and during the marriage, then it was it a case that you were so tunnel visioned on your role as a father and a breadwinner, and you you, you feel that on reflection you might have neglected her massively. Yeah, right. but at the time I didn't. I thought, yeah, we're going, we go holidays. Right. Yeah, I come back. We weekends. I cook and stuff. Yeah. There was there was scenarios where because I travelled a lot, so I used to go on a Monday, come back on a Friday, and when I come back on a Friday, there was a scenario where the kids and my ex would say, right, okay, what do you want to do? And I said, no, 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 I want to, I want to join your gang. I want to do whatever you lot are doing. Mm. No, no, but you're, we only see you, Dad. We want to do what you want to do. And it, was, it, it came right. about, and it was just miscommunication. They weren't wrong, yeah, and I yeah. wasn't wrong. We were just miscommunicating. Mm. And and the long and the short of it, during our marriage, she looked at me and think, well, and she lost, I think she lost her own identity. She was a nurse. Right. So she was a nurse, daughter, wife, mm. mother, mm. Uh, friend. But her own, who she was, I think she lost. And she looked at me thinking, well, I don't know who I am. Yeah. How can I be with this person? And potentially, yeah. I was the cause of pain. Because we're not taught that any of this stuff in school, like mental health or well-being or empathy or all this kind of stuff. And I think, I think, I think it should change, right? Because relationships, massively, relationships massively. are so important. But massively, massively. And it's like, and and then subsequently we got divorced, and then I was in another relationship. But then we got back together. She wanted me back, and I went back. Right. And I went back because in my mind, I thought I don't know whether I could live with not giving it a go. And the two mistakes we made is this. We went back, hmm. but not addressing the original issues. 
Oh really? Right. Okay. Because we thought, oh, we went back, and everybody, what, it's, it's, a, it's like a, the fairy tale. So how? Just to interject, then, did, did she ask you back, or did you? Yeah. All right. So she she turned around. She went, "I've made a mistake. I want you back." Oh, and wow. I was another relationship, and I, then I, I went back. Okay. But the two mistakes I make, like I say, Chris, is one yeah. we didn't say, "Okay, if we're going, we need to do the work." Mm. We sort of surface touched it, but didn't really. Oh, we're happy. We're happy. We're going back. Yeah. And the second thing was the biggest mistake, and you know, yeah, I'm saying this now, and I've said it on other podcasts. Is we didn't engage the children, i.e., we just assumed right. they'd be fine with it. Yeah. Now the they were uh, sort of elder teenagers, so they weren't like yeah. babies; they couldn't understand. And the big mistake we make is we didn't not not necessarily ask permission, but we didn't involve them in the reconciliation. Yeah. And that was a massive mistake because they just turned around and said, well, "What is going on? This is like." As a total so this is the thing right so obviously divorce isn't pleasant I'm divorced and I'm, I'm happily through that now but um, I think sometimes in, in life as you've just said uh, in adversity you can either be a victim or a survivor at the time you were a victim I think you said yeah, 100%. What, what's made you a survivor and what, 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 how did you flick that switch from actually oh this is this is a, actually a good thing that's happened to me now because I'm this, I'm this man well that now. took about two or three years after that because although we got back together, 13 months later, we separated again. It just right. didn't work, right, for various reasons. And then, and it was a, it was a, as amicable as it could be. And then I went on my way. I've had two relationships since then, not in a relationship now. And yeah. both relationships served. It was fantastic. They were, they were great. And for different reasons, they, they ended. Mm. And um, in that, I did my own transformation. So there was a moment where I looked at my life and... It was quite ordinary. So I wasn't bankrupt. Yes, I've got for the divorce and I'm, I'm emotionally settled now. And my, me and my ex at that point were civil, Okay. right? We weren't sort of necessarily buddies and be there, but we were civil where there was yeah. calmness around there. And I started looking at myself, went to yoga retreats to India. I started, um, you know, looking at the things that That's I was great. preaching, I was like really practicing. Yeah. And in that, I looked at my life in quite ordinary, and there was a, at that time there was three or four of my friends doing sort of body transformation, you know, you know, strict mm. lifestyle, counting calories, macros, going to the gym, and part of an organisation. I looked at them and I thought, Do you know what, I'll have a go, <laughs> right? So I phoned up this coach. I said, blah blah blah, and he says, what's your goal? I said, I don't want to diet. I don't want to do this for twelve weeks and then return. Yeah. He goes lifestyle. He goes, I said, I'm ready. Seriously, yeah. And he goes, okay, cool, that's fine. So we put a, put me on a program and I did it. And I was literally just like, I was, I said, I'm not going to go in this with an opinion saying, oh, I know he says I can't have that food, but I will. Mm. So two decisions I made. I'm not going to go in with my opinion. I'm just going to be, yeah. take the take the strategy. And the second thing I said is, I said, one non-negotiable was I, I want to be able to eat what I want. He goes, yeah, okay, you can eat what you want. But you do mm. realize if you eat this thing, the goal you want yeah. will be further away. So it's your choice. Yeah, yeah. So I empowered myself. Right. Anyway, long and short of it, over 10 months, lost 20 kilos, photo wow. shoot, abs out, the works. And the un... What I didn't expect was the peripheral stuff that happened. My business went through the roof. Mm. The attraction from both men and women were unbelievable on, yeah. on a very sincere level. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. We, got, you know, I got comments and stuff, which are great, and it's very yeah. great for my ego. But from a, when I went to networking events, people were like, "Wow, look at you!" Yeah. And what I found was they, yes, they were impressed by me losing weight and the body. Yeah. But what I, through conversations, what was really a game changer is they were impressed. Well, they knew the discipline it would have taken yeah, to get there. Yeah, yeah. And because of the work that I did, that increased my business because then I was. The, what yeah. I was finding is people yeah. say, well, you're talking about changing your game and, you know, mindset yeah. and gratitude. Through your, 
physical transformation we are yeah. seeing you're practicing it yeah so that happened end of 2000 i started it january 18 yeah and uh, i'm not look back since do you know what? i picked up on a point there around when i left the marital home i spent three or four years doing the work that you described similar sort of work but it was having the headspace having the time on my own was really powerful for me and I don't think I've, I've ever been ready to be in a relationship on 46. I am now because I've, I've, I've had that time on my own. And I think that sometimes relationships are really good and important. But unless you work on yourself and do that self-care, I think relationships are, it is know, difficult. can be difficult. It is difficult. And, and the two relationships I had um, since uh, my marriage breakup um, happened. I think I'm looking for them. They happened and they were fantastic and they were great. And they yeah. ended for, for different yeah. reasons. And yeah. I wouldn't regret those times at all. And they were the two fantastic women. Mm. And but like you say, is during those times they, they were very patient about my work. I was doing their work, and they yeah. had their own stuff going yeah. on as well. So they were doing yeah. stuff. And you're right. Is there's never a point when you're ready, ready. You just more accepting, yeah. mm. and you realise that three things happen as a result of my doing transformation and doing my work. Is mm. I didn't need or look for validation from others. Right. I I, I can start comparing myself less to others yeah and i learned to say no more so th these are points that people i think will resonate with but it's a bit like how did you stop in, in this day and age like social media this dopamine hit the amount of likes we get or views we get everyone's addicted to that to a certain extent right but and it kind of goes with the territory but any specific ways in terms of like you don't just wake up one day or maybe you did and go right i don't care what people think now i'm not going to compare myself i'm not going to look for the dopamine here i'm just going to be me or yeah. is it a process oh a massive process it's not like a linear thing it's not like one day you are one day because you realize yeah. actually when you start self-caring for yourself yeah. and loving yourself doing these because if when you if you've been to gym and have a strict diet yeah. there's times you have cravings and oh, you say, i'm yeah. going to have this thing yeah, yeah. now this is yeah well by having this thing you're not loving yourself no you just you're just you're, you're satisfying an instant crave but by having this thing you're putting yourself out so why actually yeah. so the more you love yourself yeah. and accept it from a mm. from a from a kind place you do that and then you realize i feel happy here I didn't need that person's approval. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Because before, if that person didn't say something to me or I didn't yeah. get a like on a post, my, my mood was down. Yeah. I didn't look at my social media. Yeah. No one validated me. I'm sitting on my own and I'm okay. So you realise the process. Be your own biggest supporter, right? That's all yeah. you need. That's all you need. So talk to us a bit more then. I mean, obviously, the marriage breakup ha has affected you. What about mental health and any other dark moments and anxiety you've been through? Because, I mean, that's that's one in itself, but I think there's other stuff as well, right? Yeah, there is other stuff. But again, I've, I, you know, when I look at other people's stuff, that our marriage breakup, from it was probably as as amicable as it could be. There's a lot of emotional turmoil, but financially yeah. we were very good. We, were, okay. we, were, we were, There was no conflict there, right? So we, we were both good with that. Yeah. Yes, with the kids, we, we could have done better things there. But in terms of a marriage breakup, it was fairly smooth in that respect. Yeah. Um, she might say something different. She might be listening to this thinking, what's he talking about? Chris, get me on. I'll tell you my story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Being <laughs> right. my next guest. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, uh, and and again, you know, business-wise, I've been, I've not made millions, but I've been successful. I've, I've, yeah. I've done, I love what I do. I travel around the world. Right. I do what I love. If I had, if I had, a, if I was financially free right now, I still do what I do now. Yeah, yeah. That That's the, my Why measure. Why do you love it though? Because I get, a, I, I get a kick when I work with people and they get this, what I call the bum shift moment. Yeah. They go, oh, really? I don't, I just get this. When I watch Britain's Got Talent, for example, kids will laugh at me, right? Yeah. If anybody's on there doing what they love and yeah, there's like, yeah. there's like, oh my God, someone's like, when Simon Cole yeah. validates them, 
I get him really yeah, emotional. I totally agree. I mean, this is, this is called the Purpose of Leadership podcast. I, 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 fo- I talk about purpose so much. I think purpose is such an important thing. So you had your eight years or whatever it was in that sales thing, doing mm. the normal thing. And this is, this is your calling, your purpose, right? You actually get in. The money's important to you, I know that. But it's, it's what the impact you're delivering on people. And I think people, some people think like, yeah, whatever, mate. But I think until you experience purpose, you don't know. You don't know. And it was a really, you, you, as you're saying that, a, a memory came to me. is uh, In 2001, my second child was, was young. We were in India for a family wedding. So me and my ex, uh, my, we were there. Yeah. And we're sitting down. And then we were sat at my uncle's house. And my uncle, t- they were just talking, my un- uh, my uncle and my ex. And in the conversation, he talked about, oh, there's a holy man downstairs. And my wife was really intrigued. Oh, there's a holy man. I'd love to hear mm. that. Anyway, mm. we got to a point where next day he came uh, and came to us, right? And uh, I don't know, um, uh, astrologer, whatever you want to call it, yep. one of those things, right? Yep. And he came in and then my wife started asking questions. And I know she started getting really peed off because every time... She was asking him questions, answering. He kept on looking at me and asking me, are you okay? Have mm. you got any questions? I said, no, I'm all right, she's talking. Anyway, <laughs> at the end of this, she was like, flipping hell. And he said to me, he goes, what do you do? And that time, I just started this sales job. Yeah. I said, oh, I did psychology. I want to do sports psychology. I don't sales job, but, uh, you know, maybe one day I'll do the thing. Yeah. And he looked at me, he goes, you have no idea, do you? And I went, what do you mean I have no idea? He goes, you have no idea that that's, this is not what, you, your, your role is a bigger purpose. Wow. He goes, you know, and uh, you just need to have faith that what you're doing now so, is not what you're doing. Um, that was in 2001, Chris, mm-hmm. right? And since then, I've had three other separate instances where people are saying, you have no idea who you are. Wow. There's one guy who reads auras. He had this aura machine. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. He goes, he goes, oh, my God. He goes, I, I was at this event. And he goes, I saw your aura. I said, did you? Right. <laughs> now, I, I, I'm not skeptical of those things. I believe no, in those I, things. Me right? too, mate. Yeah. I believe it. And, yeah, yeah. and there was another occasion where I was at a networking event. I walked in. And um, and there's a guy sitting there as a new member, and I was a member of this organisation. I walked in, and it was just preempt bit, yeah. and then the, the sort of organisers sort of sat down. It was like yeah. a round table thing, and before I sat down, this guy goes, "Oh, who are you?" And I, he goes, "Oh, my name's Chris." He said, "Chris." I was like, "Hello, yeah. Chris." And he goes, "What's your name?" I said, "My name's Beju." He goes, "What do you do?" And literally, I started explaining, like you said, what you do, and I was about five seconds in. He goes, "Shut no, up, no, man. <laughs> shut up!" And he said, yeah. "Do you know what you are? Yeah. Because you're the holy man." Wow. I went, "You what?" And I think, and there was two separate occasions. Yeah. Now I have no idea. Now whether they're just saying it to make it feel good, but yeah, when you asked, I love what I do. I just mm. love helping others be their best version. Yeah. But I also realise, yeah. and this is part of my um, transformation, mm. is that if I aren't looking after myself, if I can't strive to be the best version of myself, I can't help others. You can't serve others, and this is why this is where I believe faith is such an important thing. The universe. So you've had two or three instances there where like random people have come in and basically told you so this is what i think i think we've all got gifts right yeah and it's just about when you tap into that gift it's kind of like it's such a powerful feeling isn't it when massively you, powerful when you know that you've got hang on i'm actually quite a special human being it's not an ego thing it's a confidence thing you step into your power and i think fuck mm. actually this is why i'm doing what i'm doing it's a great thing right? it is a great thing i have this paradox i say to people you're not that important but in the same breath, mm. the, there's, there's a yeah, stick. Yeah. This stick, you're not that important. We're just a speck on the universe. We're yeah, nothing. That's very true. You're nothing. Yeah. But at the end of that speck, you have the potential to be anything you want. Yeah. Right? So if you yeah. understand you're not that important, you let go of the want, the ego, the need, and then unleash yourself yeah. to be the best version. Yeah. And that that's that's where I look for. So when I work with people, whether it's one-to-one corporate, the first thing I look for is, what's 
what's the interference yeah. that keeps you here? What's what's usually the case with that? I know it's different for every person. Is there a common theme? There is a common theme. It's this. It's the story they've made up. They it's based on assumptions and instances that yeah. they they is true. They think it's true. And what happens is, as humans think about it, we're we're hunters and gatherers, right? Yeah. Our instinct to go and hunt. Once we hunt, is to feed ourselves and to stay safe, right? Our yeah. Our 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 limbic brain, our monkey brain, is there to keep us safe. The ego wants to go and do stuff, right? Yeah. But it's frightened. That's why. So that's why entrepreneurship is a very, mm. it's a very unique breed. But we've all got it in us in different ways. Yeah. So, but then people are afraid. Well, hang on. If I let go of that safety net, and I play full out, and I do everything, but what happens if I still fail? Mm. They can't handle playing full out and then still being a failure. Mm. So they hold back a bit. Yeah. But the irony is this, is when they do play full out, there's an untapped resource. They don't even know what they don't know. Mm. So they can't fail. Because then you open up a new, wow, I never knew that. Yeah. So when you open up that new vacuum Mm -hmm. of potential, which is untapped, Mm -hmm. you realize actually what you think you're good at, what you think you know, and what you think is only possible, it's not even the whole story. You are what you think though as well. You you can think yourself into a great thing. You can think yourself into despair as well. You can. But the thinking is this. The thinking is limited to your your knowledge. Where does wisdom come in? You try different things. Yeah, of course. No, absolutely. So, um, in terms of like the whole men and women thing, over the last, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think five or s- five to ten years, I think um, there's been more emphasis on equality and equity, and yeah. you know, I think sexism has been rife for for God knows how long for, for centuries. But what, what what do you think men can do more of to help women? But also, what do you think women can do more of to help men? I think first thing is listen and ask. We, we, you know, we, we shouldn't be so arrogant to think, oh, we've got the answers to what we we think we know what women need to yeah. do. You know, we live in a world where um, uh, society has created a scenario where it looks like the men's in charge and that. But actually, mm. Mother Earth, Mother Nature, the mother gives birth, they're in charge. Right. Think about it. If you think about breakups and relationships, right, Yeah, is again, uh, reading certain studies, for a woman to get to a point of breaking up, a lot of, she has to go through a lot right mm-hmm. but for a man it's like you know they can they it's, it's hard for them to do it but once they do it they're they're initially quite elated but later on they feel yeah. oh my god what a regret yeah and for women again the little i know is that when they get to a point they're done they're done so mm. in terms of equality and sex and all the rest of it sometimes i think it's 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 a made up uh, not that it doesn't exist it does exist yeah, but it's it's more about listening to each party. So the man listens to the women. What do you think? What do you want us to do? And they might say, mm. just let us be. Mm. Okay, mm. we've got the answers, mm. and vice versa. Mm. So they're saying to a woman, to a man, he's like, and it's about showing that vulnerability. Because when we don't show the vulnerability, our okay. ego's there, and when our ego's there, there's there's no empathy. It's difficult though because I th- I, th- I think that. Men are conditioned to show as much vulnerability as women, um, if I could say that. But I think sometimes when you do, I think if you're with the wrong woman or the woman doesn't understand it, they kind of like judge you on that as well. And I, I think sometimes men have the rough end of the deal. I know women have very difficult circumstances as well. But in terms of like 
being able to show their emotion and you know being able to kind of like open up because we just don't do it we don't we don't and then you know you're going into the conversation of narcissism and narcissistic behavior and you've got the, the spectrum of narcissistic behavior from mm. very mild gaslighting certain words you say that on the surface yeah. looks like you're caring or not yeah. but actually there's a there's an agenda and sometimes it's very unconscious yeah. and then you've got the extreme yeah level so and so you've got to be Understand when you're asking or doing something or communicating, are you saying it from a service from where you're coming from, mm-hmm. or there's an ulterior motive? And sometimes it's unconscious, and that's a whole can of worms because mm. you know I, um, I, I've been fortunate. I don't think I've been around narcissistic relationships at all, but I've known many people have. Yeah, and then you start realize you start breaking down the individual behaviors, and you think an individual circumstance individual isolated yeah. incidents they don't look much no. but when you add it all up it's very subtle you well, think oh my god mm. stuff's happening so yeah mm. so what 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 generally pisses you off about people life business anything what pisses me off ignorance yeah uh closed mindsets um cynicism i don't mind skepticism because right. skepticism okay. is that you know you're you're there from a point of questioning but you're open yeah right. to a to a different perspective yeah, yeah. But cynicism is, well, I'm coming from a point, it ain't going to work, and nothing's going to convince me. Mm. You don't progress. And I was thinking about this this morning, whereby if the world had a majority of cynicism, people that are cynical, cynical, 90% of the inventions wouldn't be created. Of course. Right? But the very people who are cynical benefit from those inventions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And what do you think think are some of the good leadership traits? Because um, I think things like curiosity, uh, empathy humbleness what about yourself listening listen listening is key and communication be in communication and lean in you know mm. i do a lot of leadership work right yeah and i said i have a notion that every single problem in any circumstance business relationships whatever can be solved through communication mm. right and where people fail yeah. down is they they avoid the difficult conversations you look at all the wars and the troubles in the world yeah you might have a war it starts with a war but the end yeah. A resolution has happened because someone got round the table. Yeah. Whether it's a good Friday agreement. It's grasping it's that net, isn't it? If, if it's difficult conversations, they're, they're the ones where you actually progress and you learn, and you find out a bit more about yourself and the other person. It's kind of like when you're skirting around or going AWOL, I think I think it's, it's not just, it's actually being able to confront that, isn't it? It is. And the reasons why people avoid difficult conversations are three reasons. Number one is they're, they don't know how to handle the conflict or the upset. No one likes to be disliked. Or right? I don't, don't want to be wrong. Maybe. I don't want to be wrong. But again, what's yeah. wrong and right? You know, it's, it's your perspective of things. So get this: once you have the difficult conversation, mm. you will establish whether actually, might be oh, actually, you might not be right. You <laughs> yeah. know, your your view on that circ- that mm. thing. It's like interesting. I'm explaining my version of the breakup and what happened with my with my ex. Yeah. She might have a completely different viewpoint. We might be thinking, oh, okay, right, I see it. Mm. And the third reason people like avoid conflict is because all of a sudden that by opening up a difficult conversation, it might open other stuff that needs to be dealt with. So yeah. if I don't open up this conversation, I don't have to deal with those three things. Yeah. And my life will be easy. So, so going back to what you do then, because I've read, I've read you, you kindly sent me your books and I've read, I've read um, two of them and they're very okay. good actually. Oh, some, some of the stuff in there is, is similar to some of the stuff that I do. And I, th- I think I want to talk to you about goal setting because there's so many people out there that talk about goal setting, the yeah. importance of them and yeah. what's your take on it? So I, you know, I, I, you know, there's the, the conventional wisdom is like you know, yeah. aim for the stars, and if you don't worry if you miss, you might hit the moon, which is great. So yeah. you're going to achieve something, right? So yeah. make sure you own big, the big hairy ass goal, which is great. And the other notion, which is in corporate speak, the smart goals, you know, specific, yeah. measurable, attainable, results orientated in time, which is great. The thing about goal setting is this: there's two, there's two things about goal setting is, is 
hitting the goal and the feeling you get when you hit the goal. Mm. So for me, mm. we have a natural reset every day. I, we go to sleep, well, most of us do, and we wake up. So when we wake up, we have a reset, right? So we have now, on average, probably 12 to 16 hours of a waking day. Yeah, yeah. And we can decide what to do in those 12, 16 hours, right? So for me, I say, well, how do I win each day? That's my only goal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the way I win each day is I set three micro goals. But three micro goals have a specific criteria. One, you've got to be able to be measure, you measure, yeah. measure what success looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two, you have to finish it in that day. And number three, it's totally in your control. Mm-hmm. So one micro goal for me today is to come here yeah. and give, uh, be as present and be as open on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Right? I can't control your reaction. I can control once it's, once yeah. it's out there what That's people react. All right. But right. I can control being here on time, yeah. being at service to you, being my best version. So that's one goal. I've got another goal. I've got a dinner tonight and it's a, it's a, it's a network I've never been to. So my goal there is to be present and listen. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, oh, I've got to get five business cards or this or that. Yeah, yeah. Just whatever. And have no attachment to any connections that so may So you're not necessarily worried about the outcome of this podcast. You're worried about the hour that we've got together and maximizing that. Maximizing. And that, that's every goal I have, right? Yeah. Because I control what I control, yeah. right? And if we, and so for some people on a yeah. Sunday, the micro goals might be waking up, having, having a snooze, which is fine, going to the gym yeah. or taking some time out and going for a walk. Which it doesn't have to be yeah. business orientated. I agree with that. That's a very good point. So I think where a lot of leaders and I went wrong as well, when I, I had a multi, multi million pound business, and where I went wrong with that is I put 99.99% of my time, energy, thought, thinking, actions, everything into the business, my yeah. relationships, my personal development, my exercise, my, all that kind of stuff just went. Yeah. Wrong. So, so I think that, I think it's about identifying what the goals are. So we all want to be business people. We want to be successful, but actually... Goals can be related to relationships. Everything. Relating to all those stuff. All that stuff. Question to ask yourself every day is how do I win today? What does winning today look like? Mm. So if it's a Saturday weekend and it's like, okay, I'm with my kids. Right, what does winning day look yeah. like? Oh, I want to make sure at the end of the day they're smiling and happy. That's yeah. it. It could be just yeah. that. On a Friday when you've got 10 board meetings and 50 emails to send, what does winning today look like? Actually, yeah. I've got all this to do. And I'll talk yeah. about busyness in a minute. Yeah. Um, what what are the three things that if I've got those yeah, three totally. things, today I've won the and day. Everything else is a bonus, right? Absolutely. And I talk yeah. about not being busy. I'm not busy. No. I don't do busy. I t- and I, I sell totally to busy. Agree. I say to be when someone says, oh, I'm really busy, I say, what does that look like? Tell me yeah. what it looks like. Oh, I've got a meeting this morning. I've got to send an email. I've got a board meeting. I've got to do a project. I've got to go to that thing. I say, right, yeah. so you've got these individual tasks yeah. that you've collapsed together. Yeah. Right? No wonder you're busy. Why don't you just do the task? Yeah. So this morning, I had, a, I had a coaching call from a guy in Australia. Yeah. Right? Well, I went to the gym this morning, did my weights, did my yeah. walk, did my meditation, had breakfast. I had a coaching call with a guy in Australia. Came here to do this podcast. Mm. I've got a meeting after this um, uh, in Regent Street. Yeah. Then I've got a dinner. Now, yeah. so, oh, you had a busy day? No, I'm just doing mm. what I'm doing. Mm. I, I still use the old-fashioned, like, I write down all my things, and they're like these are uh, the same as you. And these are the three to five things I do, like, and, and it's and it's once it's a sense of accomplishment as well. Yeah, you massively. And it's like you can't. I I I actually find if you're if you focused t- two hours on one thing and execute that, you're better off executing three or four things really well than five, ten, fifteen. Badly, absolutely, right? absolutely. We underestimate, we overestimate what we can do in a yeah. short space of time, yeah. and underestimate what we can do in a in a yeah. longer space of time. Yeah. So if we say, don't overwhelm ourselves each day. You know, if you get yeah. the things done you plan by midday, yeah. then you can choose to do more. I think I think what, what, what I learned was because I was always on the go twenty four seven. It's right. like also when you when you've got a, a window of nothing, 
do nothing doing nothing can actually be a, a brilliant product productivity hack because you're refreshing re-energizing yourself Absolutely. whereas i think some people like they don't know what to do with themselves they think, oh, i've got nothing to do now i've got to do a task no that's not always the case have you have you ever done yoga yeah right when you do yoga, yoga the principle of yoga is to just be present yeah it's not trying to complete the exercise not trying to complete the downward dog it's just do the downward dog yes don't worry about how it looks what it is just do what you need to do yeah. and use your breath to go with the thing yeah. and if you you think about yoga means union the breath and the body if you apply that principle in real life mm. you, you'll get more done mm. you just get more done because you're not worrying about the outcome over there what do I need to do today I need to write that report I need to do the proposal I need to go to the sales yeah. meeting right just do that then mm-hmm. don't worry about and the, the results will look after itself okay so what's been your darkest moment in your life well, you know, I talked about the marriage breakup, and it was a darkest moment. Well, my parents, you know, you know, when we lose people, when our parents pass away, right. it's like it's like, and it happens to all of us. But you don't know how it feels when it does happen. You know, my mum mm. passed away seven, eight years ago. She had breast cancer. You know, the last sort of six, seven months of her life were horrible. She Sorry was no, mm. it was like you know, she was given six months. She survived two years, right? Wow. Proper fire. And my mm. dad just after it wasn't not because of COVID, but just after the second lockdown. Um, mm. walking home and I think he had a heart attack and he collapsed and he died and and again I, I think I've not mm. had those are yeah the marriage breakup and the parents passing away yeah, yeah. not that many well, I mean, dark they're, moments they're, they're, well it's still significant isn't it and, yeah. and it's, it's like I think that um, don't get you, me wrong I'm not you know I've had days where you feel really down right I don't think you know I, I don't think I've to the point whereby hmm. um you know, I, you know, there's no point being here anymore. I never got to that point, okay. right? Ever. But I've had days where you just think, "What's the point?" You have had days whereby you think, yeah. "I'm not good enough." Yeah. I do certain things. You look outside, and that's when you start comparing here, yeah. and then you realize actually, when you start, when I'm part of networks and networks yeah. where you're around successful yeah. people, yeah, and they start talking, you realize actually, yeah, they're not happy. No. You know? No, I think that's right. I think the pa- a good point there. The power of community. I do a lot of LinkedIn, and I think I think LinkedIn's helped me in so many ways in my business. But in, in terms of the friends and associates, having people around you is really important. Um, and I used to put a lot of people on pedestals, right? Yeah, Certain people, so. and I used to think they were so far ahead. And when when you, when you evolve and grow as an individual, you start to think hey, we're, all, we're all in the same boat. Same, same. same boat. I have this thing whereby we all we all do a certain act in the morning, right? When we yeah. when we do our <laughs> ablutions, right? So everybody's vulnerable, yeah. right? But then we put this veneer on, the nice suit, the you know, yeah. the sort of the you know, we shave the makeup there or the car and the thing, and we look good, totally, right? Yeah, yeah. But when you scratch the surface, like we 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 live in this mm. Instagram lifestyle. Mm. But beyond the Instagram lifestyle, you realise, do you know what? Everybody's got their own stuff going on. Yeah, I think that that removes the fear. I think because I've I've got I've still got to be public about it. I mean, I, I host podcasts. I've built multi million pound businesses. I'm a I'm a business coach. I've still got this fear of being on stage, and I'm, I'm working through that. So I think everyone's got their thing. What sort of advice would you give to people? What you know, who kind of are still kind of fearful of what people think or being on stage or that kind of stuff? Because it's a lot of it is is in the I know it's in the mind. It is. Don't make it about you. Yeah. Don't make it about you. It's like when you're on stage, there's this notion whereby where the fear comes in and the anxiety is like, oh my God, all these people are looking at me. Yeah. What if I make a mistake? What if I forget something? I'm going to look a fool, blah, blah, blah. So everything's about you. Yeah. They don't come there you're to make them. you look good. You're they come them. there because they want to get something. 
mm. right? Mm. And ninety, have you how many times have you been to see a speaker and they're screwed up, they've forgotten, they've they've made a mess up? Do you yeah. feel like, oh, you idiot, or do you feel, do you know what? No, Improvise it. You're rooting for them, aren't you? Yeah, you're rooting for you. Do you know what? Yeah. Don't worry, mate. You're all good. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, we're with you. You don't think, yeah, look at him, do one, <laughs> right? You don't. Yeah. So we have this notion that if you get on stage and you're publicly there. That people are, people are going to think and judge what they do. Yeah, yeah. Any, anyway, so you might as well just be yourself. Yeah. So what, what does the future look like for you in terms of what exciting stuff? You've got a few things coming on. Yeah, I've got, so, you know, I'm, I made this, uh, like I've been coaching, training and speaking for the last sort of 20 odd years, right? Mm-hmm. But it's been very much coaching, training, speaking in that order. Yeah. So I'll go after coaching, do that. I'll run coaching groups and accelerators and stuff and one-to-one clients and group coaching. And then I might yeah. do some corporate training. Oh, then I might speak. But middle of last year, I flipped it. I thought, right, no, speaking is number one, then training, then coaching. Okay. And just met, just changing that here energetically, although yeah. my message is more or less the same, all of a sudden I've started getting speaking gigs, paid speaking gigs abroad. I've been to Lisbon and wow, other okay. places, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is great. Yeah. You know, being invited on podcasts. I've been on podcasts before, but the mm. invitation's there. People see, mm. as soon as you see yourself differently, people energetically see you yeah. differently. So it's mainly speaking. Uh, I've got another book coming out soon called The Accountability Game, which is mainly for lead, especially this world whereby you have hybrid working places. So how do you create an accountability culture when you've got three people in the office and two people at home, mm. right? So I've written this book called The Accountability Game, which talks about different ways of creating an accountability culture, yeah. which will be out soon. And um, and then again, a sliding door moment last year uh, resulted in me being part of this uh, tech company. So we're founding a tech company. I've got developers in India. Nice. We're working on a couple of SaaS solutions, which uh, should be out very soon, an MVP. Yeah. If that works, then we're going to sort of... Um, Expand it and look at offering e-commerce solutions, especially for the service industries yeah. like coaches and consultants. That's amazing. So, if you had your time again, would you, what would you change, if anything? There's two moments, right? From a business point of view, I would have explored the sports psychology more, right? right. I didn't really because it was really at its infancy, birth, yeah. and it wasn't sort of common knowledge, especially. Mm. And I know if I explored that, I would have been there. Um, yeah, yeah. And I could, I could, I could have easy, I could easy say I would leave my corporate earlier. But I but although it wasn't what I wanted to do, it it allowed me to travel around the world, and experience so many different things. Yeah. That gave me credibility when I was a coach. Yeah. When I started coaching, um, so they're the two things. And the other thing, knowing what I know now, I would have responded very differently to the marriage breakup. Mm. But everything you learn in hindsight. Yeah, I think everyone. I think, but also I think that I'd prefer to regret something I've done something I haven't done it's not, you can't change the past you don't right? yeah, yeah. it's not a regret yeah. it's but then a lesson you, isn't it everything is what it is it yeah. can't be any other way no right you had to have gone through your divorce for even yeah. if you didn't want it yeah. for you to become this person and ask yeah. yourself questions every sort of trauma every failure yeah. it forces you to ask a question for yourself yeah so do, do you feel you're at your true potential or there's no. lots more to lots more what's missing then it's not a question of what's missing I know there's more Right. You don't know what's missing because if you if you think there's something missing, uh, you're assuming you know it all. I don't know it all, right? So if I think, okay, well, I'm 70% there, 30% is missing, mm. I'm only going to go for 30%. Right. What if I'm wrong? Yeah, what, yeah, if it's, yeah. what if I actually have only, I'm only reached 20% of my potential? Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah. So who are you to say? Mm. Because you're assuming I know how good I am, mm. therefore I've got 20% to go. Really? Mm. That's true. So, so what's your definition of success then? Doing what you love, loving what you do every single day. That's it. 
you love what you do, do what you do, and you can have mm. the lifestyle you want. Yeah, it, right? it, it's a byproduct that comes with that, doesn't it? Yeah. You so if you want something that it's all I need is a happy meal on a Friday, right? One glass of wine on a Saturday, yeah, yeah. and watching flipping I don't know, yeah. Um, uh, 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 what's I don't know, a Sunday drama, Judge Judy, or something. and that's it. <laughs> Yeah. Then that's fine. Who are we to judge? But if you want to be a uh, you know yeah. a, a private jet on a Friday, Monaco on a Sunday, does your lifestyle serve that? That's it, and that, that's why goal setting is so important, right? But it's is is I've been the victim of I've got to ten million, fifteen million, twenty. Every time I got there, it was like oh, it's a bit of an anticlimax. So I, I'm all for setting goals. I think it's really important. But I think we've got. A, did you feel then when you before you hit yeah. ten million? Did yeah. you think I, I ten million will feel like X? And when yeah. you got ten million, it didn't feel like that. No, exactly. It's one of those things that don't ever set goals. As it's like um, when, when I get this, I'm going to feel this. It, do, yeah. it doesn't work like doesn't. that. Doesn't. It doesn't work. It doesn't because like it's like if when if then because you're thinking X Y Z means I feel like that. No, yeah. it's because a goal is a yeah. goal it's great to set goals great to set targets yeah. but don't make them mean your happiness is yeah. now complete I really I really enjoy the process I've, I had I had sort of some sort of um, fitness goals and whatever but like actually once I'm into the routine of like waking up and going to the gym I actually love the process of that yeah. sometimes I, sometimes I don't but it's kind of like going back to I, I think one of the biggest things that's helped you is your is your focus on exercise yeah massive massive physical and it, help massively um sorts out when you when you focus on the physical um uh, transformation of your body now whether it's a full transformation or just making sure you go gym a couple of times a week and do some cardio yeah. it has an impact on mental health massively yeah. your, your your mindset yeah. you know we've got a ma massive mental health agenda and there's so many schemes I, I this is my notion right and this is my opinion everybody who suffers any level of mental health I, I say mm. you com you commit to exercising three or four times a week totally. for six months minimum yeah. and then tell me your levels of mental health. I'm not saying they'll go away, no. but there'll be a dilution. Yeah. And in the dilution, you're now in a better place to deal with whatever yeah, there is. Of course. But no, that's absolutely. So what advice would you give young entrepreneurs in this day and age? There's a paradox here, right? Because when we were younger, the amount of opportunities available were less so, right? So when we went for it, we went for it. Here... There is no excuses. So the, ent the the barrier to entry to do what you want to do is very low. There's no excuses. It's true. There's no excuses, you can set up right? Business online in 20 minutes. Exactly, now. right? So what's the difference that makes a difference? Consistency, detached from outcome, don't mm -hmm. worry about anything anybody else says. And actually, like the, the, the guy I was speaking to in Australia, he might be listening to this, he's 27, yeah. Yeah. wants to be a coach, all the rest of it. And he's so, he wants to get there. I said, just enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. I said, you've got another job, which is fine. I said, you know you want to be a full-time coach, but put the yards in, yeah. right? You know, I'm yeah. saying don't, don't do things for free, but put the yards in and do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. So for young entrepreneurs, I would say, be patient, but fail fast. Yeah. Do things quickly, but take consistent action. Mm -hmm. Don't sort of do something slowly. You got time because before yeah. you know, I wrote a LinkedIn post yesterday. Yeah. You know, one day you're 21, next day you're 52. You don't know where it's, it's going to go, it? right? Yeah, yeah. So fail fast. That yeah, means yeah. do things well, yeah. go deep, yeah. but don't attach yourself to the outcome yeah. and be patient. I think if you're not failing, you're not learning, you're not growing. Failing you're is part, part part of that process. But you've been in the corporate world, right? Yeah. Corporate world, they don't fail fast. No, they fail slow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. and then the churn of individuals, yeah. the churn. Yeah. You're in recruitment, so you know this. Us, us recruiters, eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, how, how important are values to you, mate? And what are your values? Values are your anchor. Four values: collaboration, simplicity, growth, and excellence. So, what does it? How, then I say, whatever values are, how does that show up in your world? So, for me, excellence. How 
could I make sure when I win today, I am exercising excellence, right? And yeah. it's not being like, oh, I have to have clean food every single day. I have to make sure I exercise every day. It's about a level of excellence. Mm. Am I growing every single day? Yeah. What am I doing to push my boundaries? Am I reading something? Am I listening to something? Am I, am I meeting different people? Mm. Simplicity. Mm. Don't overcomplicate life. Definitely. Keep things simple. Hopefully, when you read my books and um, mm. listen to me, Although I've got a psychology degree, there's no jargon. You yeah. won't you won't hear things whereby oh you need a degree to understand that. Totally. It's very simple language, totally. right? And collaboration, you can't do things on your own. Mm. So I have this notion whereby the more I collaborate with others, the more I will win. I think it's a really important uh, question, a really good answer because I, I walk into some businesses myself and they've got the archetypal values on the wall, integrity, or on the website, and I often can't even spell it, or they don't even like understand what they mean. But it's about Knowing what your values are, but living by your values, making your decisions based on your values. They're your anchors. They're your anchors. So I see, so if someone's yeah. unhappy, I say, okay, there's no alignment between what yeah. your values are and what you're living, right? Yeah, exactly. So you might have some values here, and then when you start investigating the language they use and the actions they every day, it's incongruent with their values. So no yeah. wonder you're unhappy, Yeah. right? So yeah. let's start creating a s situations where you're living your values. And they might say, oh, I can't at the moment. I've got a mortgage, but I can't leave this job. This job is against my values. All right, yeah. well, let's start planning that in six months you are. Yeah. What are you doing every day to move in towards that? Mm -hmm. So they don't plan towards, they think, well, it's either today you are, tomorrow you're not. Yeah. Well, no, there's a process. Yeah. And when you start to understand, like you mentioned about going to the corporates and they might have the value of integrity. Yeah. So when I said, I said, how does that show up? Yeah. So can I ask how many of you have been late for a meeting in the last exactly. week? Right, you're not practicing it. Right? Totally. So there you go. Yeah. So take that value down. It's been fascinating. We're kind of coming towards the last couple of questions. Sure. Um, if there's one thing you, you'd, you want to leave the audience with, or, you know, in terms of the biggest thing you've learned, biggest quote, or the biggest impact someone or something's had on you, what would you say? The quote I live by is, be the change you want to see in others, right? Don't expect others to behave in a certain way if you don't behave in that way. Yeah. Whether it's kindness, integrity, showing up, yeah. communication. I have, I have two mantras I live by. I'm never late mm -hmm. and I don't complain. Mm-hmm. And I'm never late. I'm literally never late. I'll say that. to people, I'm never late. Love and that. I will. I tell my clients, the first session, I said, right, over the next six months, whatever engagement, I will never be late. Mm -hmm. And I said, and you think, how can I commit that? I said, I promise I'm never late. Where is yeah. a Zoom call? Never late. Where is a meeting? Never late. And I said, what that does is, that forces me to sort my yeah. plan, my life, so I'm there. It's a self-respect thing for you and for others as well. And I think I think respect's really important in terms of respect for others, but respect for yourself. Massively. Right? I started a new client a few weeks ago, right? Supposed to start at a certain time. Yeah. Got there in plenty of time. And uh, we didn't start till 25 minutes late. And I went, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm late, blah, blah, blah. You know, normal corporate stuff. And I sat yeah. down and went, and two of the people in the room had never met me. And these are directors. So yeah. they're just for email. So they thought, okay. And the first time I said, doesn't work straight we in. need to deal with this yeah I know what I said look the stuff we're talking about is about this so let's investigate what a start what occurred that we started 25 minutes late we probably spent an hour hour and a half brilliant to really decipher and they realize yeah. they all agree the meet they were in mm. before me two of them didn't need to be there yeah exactly and I said, what's, and then they, we started yeah. unraveling symptomatically totally. how they don't say no, how they yeah. um, waste more time than they need exactly. to and all these sort of things. Because the issue isn't always the issue what the people think. It's not always an operational thing. It's actually stuff like that that's the issue. Massively. And they were like, that. wow. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I said initially, they probably, who do you think you are telling us? Yeah. I said, I'm just mirroring. Really I said, I've, I've got nothing to do. I, you know, I, I'm not losing anything. But if you think yeah. we don't deal with that and we start talking about con leadership concepts and yeah. <laughs> coaching scenarios and how to be your best self and yeah, you can't yeah. even do that. Yeah. I've already no, no chance. No chance. Absolutely fascinating, mate. We could have talked for a bit longer, actually. Yeah, but, no, um, thank you, Chris. Where can people find you? I'm very fortunate. I've got a unique name. So yeah. if you Google my name, <laughs> Beiji Solenki, yeah, yeah. it comes up. So I'm very active on uh, uh, Instagram, um, uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm very active. But I'm also Brilliant. doing a little bit of TikTok, just experimenting yeah, yeah. there a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, if you Google my name, I'm very fortunate that uh, there's not many Beiji Solenkis about out there. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. Chris, thank you so much. Really fascinating. Great podcast. The Purpose-Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincere, the recruitment operating system used by 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincere because I'm a customer. I love their modern REC OS system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle, and back office operations of executive search, permanent contract, and temp businesses. If you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. They have Follow the Sun support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners. The Purpose Led Leadership Podcast is also sponsored by My People Group. My People Group helps recruitment businesses to inject a genuine added value differential into the service they offer to clients. The product is a data-driven, talent-fit platform that enables and ensures candidates are placed in roles where they will thrive and teams where they will feel happiest. Candidates feel valued throughout the process and hiring managers are empowered to make better decisions. The results are incredible. Recruitment businesses introducing my people as part of their recruitment service are winning much more high quality business, strengthening existing relationships with clients and securing more placements. Used internally, the product enables you to develop your people efficiently and allows you to better assess the team fit of new hires. I chose to partner with my people because I firmly believe when identifying, attracting and developing talent, behaviors and attitude are just as, if not more important than skills and experience. My people specialize in measuring the environmental, behavioral and psychological factors that affect team success. So I couldn't think of a more aligned partner. They're working with over 50 UK recruitment firms and have previously supported some of Britain's greatest supporting elite teams, such as England Rugby, Saracens RFC, numerous Premier League football teams and the Philadelphia 76ers. They believe that your culture is the key to engaging your people, maximizing health and well-being and unlocking team performance. So if you're serious and you're looking for a better way to enhance your culture, drive performance and make better hiring decisions with my people, drop me a line at chris at basemindset.com for an exclusive offer for all listeners. Thank you.